sit down with the IPA and make all the lip shapes and what is your alveolar fricative and stuff. That's a bit... That sounds like the worst chat-up line ever. (laughs) Hey, can I show you my alveolar fricative? Hey folks, welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Dow. Hello everybody, we're back in the studio after our exploits in Berlin for episode 41. And we're here to welcome you, no, for episode 40, we're here to welcome you to episode 41 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast. I'm Kirsten from fluentlanguage.co.uk and my co-host, who are you? I'm Lindsay from Lindsay Does Languages. Hey, how's it going, Lindsay? Oh, very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you very much. I've really been enjoying um, language learning progress recently, or at least I don't know whether it felt like progress to me, but it felt like I took action and I actually did things. That was really, really nice. Was that inspired by Berlin? A little bit. You know what Berlin did to me? Berlin, by its definition, the polyglot gathering, um, or in my head, Language Nerd Fest 2016, is a little bit more, it's kind of the place where everybody gets very excited about a new language. So I've sort of had to hold on to my, hold my, hold on to my horses a little bit and kind of think, no, no, I'm learning Welsh. I'm enjoying learning Welsh and I'm going to continue with it. Um, But what it did do is it helped me step up my game and set some goals. And then it also gave me this list of other languages I want to learn. How's it been for you? I I noticed a language has snuck in that you weren't studying before. Is that right? Whoa, hang on. Just one. Okay, which language? <laughs> Indonesian. Oh, okay. So Indonesian was always on my uh kind of on my in my in my vision for this year. Mm-hmm. Um because last year in fact in the polyglot gathering, I got a teach yourself complete Indonesian kit. Everyone got one last year. And so it's always been on my on my radar for this year and so berlin was kind of a uh what's the word like a kickstart of okay this is really cool now i think i'm ready but i'm not really studying it seriously at the moment i'm just kind of getting to get to the basics but i tell you what hello talk indonesian people are the chattiest people on hello talk that i've ever met it's amazing it's really really good oh wow that's fantastic I've recently, I, I, how many of them are there? Do you have like five, oh. ten different people now? Oh, I, I couldn't count them. But like, it's, it's, it's not, it's not as, um, you know how sometimes you talk to people on like a language exchange and it's a bit flaky, it's small talk and that's the end of that. Well, no, it's just not the case. Really cool. Fantastic. I've got two language partners for Welsh now. And one of them is a lady who lives in Australia. Ooh. Yes, and she's learned she's learned Welsh in Australia because she wants to teach her daughter. Um, and really, she's she's in her fifth year of learning, so she's quite far ahead of me. And I keep coming up against my limitations of I can't really do that much more than small talk. But the Hello Talk functionalities have really helped me out there, so I kind of I can kind of get my message across. Ooh. but yeah, I also filmed I've also filmed my first on in welsh youtube video i saw that's such a brave move well done oh yeah it's it's error riddled and (laughs) full of mistakes but that's kind of what we're here to do right yes i want to talk about mistakes before we get into today's topic Mm -hmm. 
you, so you say it's everyone and full of mistakes. We all know that mistakes are good for language learning, right? Mistakes are good. Well, I mean, yeah. going out doing anything is good and you just got to accept the mistake. Yes. Okay. And But however, although we know this, mistakes still make us feel like, oh man, I am absolutely useless at speaking Welsh, Indonesian, German, French, Japanese, whatever, right? They do a little bit. Yeah. So here's what I'm doing at the minute. I'm experimenting. I'm setting myself mistake goals. So each day, especially this is especially on Snapchat. So you can follow me on Snapchat at LD Languages and see what I'm talking about here. So what I'm doing is I am saying, right, today I want to make five mistakes in Korean with my um, with my writing. Or I want to make five mistakes in Japanese talking about um, comparison because I, I kept getting it wrong. So I said, I want to make five mistakes about comparison sentences in Japanese today. And it works because it forces you to actually do more to then oh i have made a mistake yes i'm I'm almost there you keep doing more and more and more until you get to that total number of mistakes it sounds really bizarre and it sounds really demotivating but it's really cool and it works wow that sounds fantastic so this is on snapchat um can i can i just tell everybody what's changed in the world since we've been to (laughs) berlin (laughs) go for it Lindsay taught me how to use Snapchat. So I am now, it is no no longer, are you allowed to use the hashtag Kirsten, you old. (laughs) (laughs) It's now just, I don't know, Snap Kirsten. Hashtag Snap (laughs) CLLP. But um, I have joined Snapchat, so I'm doing my very best. I'm very much enjoying it. And it is a really, it's like you say, it's a fun place to learn a language. After making this YouTube video, I did think, God, if I just put down Snapchat, pressure off right yeah pressure off no one would have seen it whereas this way you know there's people kind of i'm I'm having a next my next welsh tutoring session on friday and mererit kind of she did look at my you know she looked at my video and she said okay yeah i've got something to work with now oh that's really (laughs) awesome that is actually really awesome something i've said from like the get-go it gives you something when you document your land and when you have um a video in particular it gives you something to look back on and say oh my god i was awful i made that mistake what mm-hmm. i never do that now and then you realize your progress see that you're actually making progress it's really really useful absolutely absolutely and it's you know it's it's all about getting started and part of part of my reason for putting out a video of me sort of speaking dodgy welsh is because i would love to see other people put videos of you know where are you at seven eight nine months in the progress Ideally in Welsh, so that I can sort of understand you, but do it in any language. We we speak enough of them, you know, in the world that we can all see where we're up and it would be so, so nice. And on that note, on that note of people writing things, making videos, creating things and sharing them with us, I would really love to give a big, big thank you to our listeners who have left us iTunes reviews. And there's been some really, really lovely ones. So Four reviews coming in from Mexico, from Lily CH, Lily Ch. <laughs> um, so thank you very much for your review, Lily. Thank you for your review, Nat, a P4844 from the UK. And thank you very much for your feedback. That's very, very gratefully received. And there's two reviews that we've chosen to read out. Um, Lindsay, would you like to start with Nina's? Yes, I love this. Okay, so this is from Nina. Hi, Nina. And Nina says, I'm a kid in a sweet shop with this podcast. It's always fresh and Kirsten and Lindsay always have something to whet your language learning appetite with. A down-to-earth approach to the vast and scary world that is language learning. They help you conquer the challenges of keeping the momentum of your enthusiasm. 
knowing what's out there and different approaches to language learning. The list goes on. If you're reading this, just trust me and subscribe. Embrace the joy of languages and rediscover wonder. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Thank you so much, Nina. And I would love it if any of you who are listening could really take her advice. So, you know, embrace the joy of languages and subscribe to the Creative Language Learning Podcast because we love having you as listeners. It's wonderful. So we're also super grateful to you Americans, no matter which country you are in, review us in your local iTunes store because iTunes does um, separate its reviews by country. But we, we kind of then do a little bit of digging and we find you all and we see your reviews and we're so, so grateful. So thank you very much to uh, CM Renier from the USA saying, I really enjoyed the podcast for the tips and tricks it provides to language learners like myself. Um, and says also that they really enjoy the interviews and the fact that each podcast has a directed topic. On the topic of topics, I also want to give a shout out to Owain. Gerard and Stephen, all of which are Irish or Welsh, and wrote into us about their respective languages after the episode we did about multilingual Britain. And we, I really felt like, especially in Ireland, there is so much work to be done to bring Irish and, you know, politically as well, to make Irish part of the community again. And there's a real Gaelic revival going on, a real Celtic language revival. And we really hope that Ireland is going to. Uh, pull up to Wales and pull up to Scotland and kind of, you know, support us all, especially as it's a country with a second official language. So that's been really interesting to read your views and your stories about how you learned Irish at school, how you're beginning to speak Irish again uh, now as adults, and then also the the same about Welsh. Super, super interesting. Um, And my final shout out goes to Ian. Ian, who's a sophomore in high school in the USA. Um, Lindsay, what's our message to Ian? Hello and thank you. What a lovely email. Oh my God, so wonderful. And I just want to thank you, Ian, for sending us your story again and your particular situation of kind of people saying to you, well, so you're learning a language and you're learning another language. So are you doing this? What do you mean you're doing it independently? And he brought up the issue of People sometimes putting you a little bit under pressure and asking you to to more or less perform in your target language. So you say to somebody, I'm learning Korean, I'm learning Welsh. And their reaction straight away is, okay, say something in Welsh then. And you kind of want to feel like saying, well, but you're not going to even understand, like, what am I doing here? Um, And has that ever happened to you, Lindsay? Oh, my goodness, so many times, so many times. And it's very frustrating. Number one, because they won't understand you. So what's the point? Number two, because how do you think of something on the spot? Number three, I am not a performing monkey. Absolutely. And I know I did it to Ollie in the most recent episode. Oh, so you did. Yeah, oh, you, you, can, you, can, you can hear live <laughs> what it sounds like when you do that to somebody and you ask them to more or less say something in their target language on the spot. And even somebody as wonderfully you know, polyglot, talented, and I know this guy speaks all these languages. Even somebody like that, when put on the spot, it can be tricky and it's not entirely fair. You know, and it wasn't entirely fair of me to do that and I wouldn't do it with anyone who isn't my friend. So, (laughs) don't know why I did it to my friend then. (laughs) So, either way, my tip to Ian was you can turn it around on your, you know, if you're feeling like somebody's putting you under pressure to maybe say something in German, what you can do is you can turn it around on the person and just say to them, well, why don't, why don't I teach you some? 
why don't I teach you something to say in German? And not only does it take the pressure and the attention off you a little bit and kind of brings your, the person you're talking to, brings your conversation partner back into the fold, but also you may just create yourself a new language learning buddy. You may, you know, kindle the fire of excitement in somebody else. Very true. I yeah. like this suggestion a lot. Mm, yes. So, first of all, thank you very much. We, we can't thank you enough for all the feedback that you are sending us. And it is actually inspiring a few of our future shows. So we've just been doing our planning this morning. So if you've got any ideas, if you've got any stories that you want to share, keep sending them in. And we're going to have a look at various ways in which we can bring you guys into the show even more than we've done so far. Who knows? It may even become the topic of an entire episode. That's true. So you, your, your feedback is more than just valued. It actually gives us ideas for where, the, where we can take the show. And that's super, super important. All right. Today's topic, though, is, well, the sun's come out, right? Here in Britain, at least. Just about. Yeah, yeah. And I've been kind of looking around and automatically you sort of start thinking about the beach and you start thinking about where you could go on your trips. Um, obviously, we've just come back from Berlin and I have also been to Iceland recently. So there's so much travel, I think, that is on all of our travel plans. And we thought we should take a little bit of time to talk about learning a language for travel. Because usually we as polyglots talk about what it's like to learn a language for life, how to make language a part of your life and create a joyful way of interacting with it. But when you're learning for travel, it, it might be that the situation is slightly different and you just may not want to commit to that language for life. At least for me, the situation is that sometimes I feel like I'm doing a completely different project. I'm in a completely different zone when I'm learning for travel. So this year, my languages for travel so far have been Icelandic. And I've also had a look at French again, which is a language that I speak at a high level, but I always need to bring it back up, bring it back up. And I'm really glad, actually, that I learned French before I went to the polyglot gathering where French is very widely spoken. So, Lindsay, what have your languages been that you're travel practicing in? Ooh, so this year in particular, I went to Slovenia. I went to Croatia for the day as well while we were there. Um, and I, I like to travel a lot in Eastern Europe, actually. So there's a lot of languages from Eastern Europe where I've, you know, I've learned a little bit for travel with travel in mind. And I tend to what I tend to do as well is actually make a video. And I put this on YouTube where maybe I've had the plane journey or a week or a month or so before the journey to to learn some on Memrise or via a phrase book, you know, just a few basic stuff to to get me by. And then what I really, really love doing is going to the country and spotting how much I can understand just in the street with no prior serious study. You know, it's really, really fun for me. And that's why I um I film it and then I put it up on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it I I agree with you that it's really, really fun. So I think that's that might be something that especially we as language nerds, it's kind of that that idea of diving into a new language and it's a lot of fun. But I hear this perspective a lot from Brits, especially. And this is because I live in Britain, not because Brits in particular are like this. Or are they? Um, is that people think it is impolite. And, and I have an opinion about this, but I will share with you in a minute. People think it is impolite when they don't know 
basic politeness phrases in a foreign language as they are traveling in that country, which leads to an army of British people who can't speak Spanish except for una cerveza, por favor. That's like the cliche, isn't it? I mean, I, I think that, yeah, there are a lot of people, Brits and otherwise, who who think, oh, well, I'm going there, but I'm going to a place where they get a lot of tourists. So it's fine. They'll understand me. I'll be able to get by and get everything I need. But I like to kind of go beyond that because I think even if you're traveling somewhere for a weekend or a week or a couple of weeks, you're still going to have a much richer experience if you can, even if you can just say thank you in the language that's spoken where you're going. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can, you can finish a transaction in a shop, you can order a drink, you can pay for your meal and you can just look someone in the eye and say thank you in their own language. That is, it's still valuable. Definitely. And I think that the, the thing that really bothers me about the, act, the, the, the feeling that you should learn a language because it will be rude and you will offend the other people if you speak English to them is twofold. Number one, you in in any kind of tourist region and i've grown up in a tourist region it isn't actually offensive to speak english and to come in speaking your own language and there's something about learning that language out of a sense of fear out of that kind of um uncomfortable concept of oh my god i'm going to be among foreigners they will you know i need to learn their language because this will be otherwise it'll put me in a threatening in an uncomfortable place I don't think that necessarily always comes from the right place. So I think language learning for a holiday as a positive and curious undertaking is really where, where I feel it's at. So I feel it's, it's not about just being able to complete a transaction in a shop in itself, but it's about learning the, the, the cultural context of that conversation, of that transaction in a shop and knowing what to say and listening out for the different things. Does that make sense? Do you know where I'm coming from? It does. And it's really interesting because I'm coming at this from a different angle. Like mm -hmm. you say that people don't mind if you speak English. As like, and I, I don't mind that as well. Like I've seen this happen in, you know, you go somewhere, it's touristy. There's a tourist who speaks language X and the person working in the ticket booth speaks language Y of the country where you are. And they communicate together in English, right? Neither of English is, isn't the native language for either of them. But then if I go forward to the ticket booth as a native English speaker, I do feel lazy and slightly embarrassed if I can't at least give them something in their language. Mm -hmm. I wonder... But, but, but and like I say, I don't object to then other people whose native language isn't English using English. It's weird. But then because it's my native language, I feel like I've made less of an effort. So I have to make more of an effort. I wonder if that is the woe of the English speaker. You know, the English native. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the burden, the painful burden of the, the English native speaker. The fact that you feel, you know, wherever you go, there they are speaking English already. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, that's actually different to... That's maybe different to me as a German speaker, you know, or, or a German native. Like I don't go, I don't go in, in any place assuming they will speak German. Yeah, you know. So I, I'm already using my foreign language. Yes, yes. So there's, ah. a, there's a difference there. But I do think even if, I mean, 
what would you say then if you if you went to Iceland right Mm -hmm. so let's use that as an example what did you learn for your trip to Iceland oh before I went to Iceland I feel like I I didn't go quite go down the, the right route with my with my study approach because what I did and this this goes into what is different when you are learning and the way I completed I completed a specific course which is the and I can recommend this it's a it's a really fun course to get you started in speaking pretty much any foreign language I completed conversation countdown by fluent in three months so that was a Benny Lewis course and that focused on creating vocabulary and creating um vocabulary that is specific to me so that I can introduce myself and I can talk about myself tell people where I live you know, and just kind of communicate the basics of, of what I want to say. So I can say things like, um, which is, I am a vegetarian, pronounced dodgily. Or I can say things like, I am married, here, gift. And that's all very good, except when I was actually in Iceland, there wasn't a single, uh, you know, occasion when I would have said that. It it partly plays into the the, the, the Icelandic language skills are on par with what we know from the Scandinavian language skills in general, which means everybody, almost without exception, speaks excellent English, grows up trilingual, you know, learning Danish, learning um, English. And actually, we met some people in the street when we asked for directions, um, whose German was amazing, actually amazing. So, you know, really super impressive language skills. So the Icelanders themselves are a a few are a people of language skill um that really impresses but what i wish i had done was to have focused more on specific travel phrases such things like how much will that be can i get the bill please um do you know the way to this place etc whereas what i had done was focus too much on um following a system of introducing myself and as a result i wasn't able to come across the opportunities to really use my new language in that way right so do you think that the stuff that you needed like you say about you know um what's can i have the bill please etc would would that have actually come from a phrase book perhaps more so i think yes yeah right i I think when i went to sweden last year where i also learned swedish for the sake of being in sweden for a week um the the best buddy I had, the best thing I had for the whole week of being in Sweden was this teeny tiny dictionary. I think that's number one. You want to have a dictionary because, you know, phrases, phrase books, they don't really teach you enough to, to get by. And you never, you never know what it is that you're going to want to say. Um, but I had this tiny phrase book and just in the back of it, um, it had set phrases. And those set phrases I was beginning to use by the end of the week. So I was able to ask for a glass of water in Swedish without even thinking twice because I had used the phrase so many times and it really worked. Yeah. And so you had you had the stuff you need straight away. You didn't have to think, OK, I'm now ready to learn about food and drink in Swedish. OK, now all the vocab. Now I'm ready to learn how to say I want in Swedish. It wasn't quite like that. It's more a case of, OK, I need this now and this is what I've got. I'm going to use the whole phrase. Which yeah. To be fair, have you ever tried um, a Lonely Planet phrase book? Because they do have, they tend to be really good. They have a good kind of grammar grasp, if you like, like a really initial 
here's what you really need to know about the grammar. Then they have the phrase book. Then they have um, a small dictionary at the back. Fabulous, fabulous. They're really good. I've used them. I've used them when I've travelled. I think I've used them in Turkey and in Greece and places like that. Back right. when I back when I worked at Lancaster University, and this is big shout out to Lancaster University's international office who support their staff so well when they travel abroad that they've got this whole. You open this cupboard and it is the happiest cupboard in the world because it's full of language learning books and travel guides <laughs> it's so good because you know we don't go to various places for tourism when you're traveling for business you, you're lucky if you can spare you know an evening to go and look at the biggest statue in town and then you're back in your hotel however it gives you something to read up on the place that you're traveling to and it, again it gives you that kind of interaction with culture it was fabulous, and I did use those. So Lonely Planet, Tra- Lonely Planet phrase books. I'll put them in the show notes. They're an excellent recommendation. And my phrase book for Swedish is from the German company Langenscheid. Um, and here's a story. This is so cute. They're, they're a- small. They're small yellow book, right? Yes, they're yeah. awesome. They are. Yeah. I love Langenscheid. Um, my phrase book and dictionary was nearly small, pocket sized, and it was actually my mother's. From when she went to Sweden with her school in like 1974. Wow. So the phrase book isn't quite, there's no like, do you have a mobile phone charger or anything like that? Some of the phrases were nuts. They were so funny. They were like, I would like to, I would like a shave along with my haircut (laughs) or something. It was, that was really crazy. And then there was, um, do you have a, you know, is there a public telephone nearby? And, you know, sort of a VHS player in the bedroom. (laughs) I don't think that's 70s. I think 70s is pre-VHS even. Wait, there was a time before VHS? Oh, there was a time before television. <gasps> Hashtag, <gasps> Kirsten, you ancient. Oh. <laughs> so what it did was like, it was like this, I had this like really cute, so I could go up to the Swedish people and go, look at what my dictionary says. Ha ha ha. And, you know, we had a way of connecting and I felt like bringing Swedish speakers, you know, the ones who obviously reacted well to me saying something in any Swedish, bringing them in on my project was such a bonus. And I think that was would be one of my biggest tips is if you are learning on the go, if you're learning while you're traveling, always identify yourself as a learner and not just identify yourself as a learner, literally embrace the tourism, walk up to people with your with your phrase book in your hand and say, I'm going to try this out now. Are you ready? Here it goes. Because I think that is the way to treat them fairly as well and to kind of identify yourself and go, you know, I want you to be in on this with me. I want you to help me with this. And I've never had a, I have never had a negative response to that. People really, you know, enjoyed that. I would love it if more people did that to me with German. This is coming from an extrovert though. Like I wouldn't go up to someone in the street with my phrase book and ask something just for the sake of asking but I would go you know if I'm in a restaurant or if I'm in a shop and I want to buy something or order something then I would use it in that sense and like I've had some wonderful um conversations with people through a phrase book where you know I've been sat at their at their food sort of street street food store I've been sat there I've had my phrase book they've come up and said oh hang on a minute where are Mm -hmm. you from you know you're different um and then I've used the phrase book and we've had lovely kind of connection so it's it still is possible 
even if you listening to this and you're listening to Kirsten and you're thinking, I don't want to go up to people. It's okay. still possible. I will admit I'm not shy. <laughs> so I'm very, very happy to go up to people and, and do that. Identify myself as a learner and just straight out go, okay. Um, you know, I, I, I have stood in front of people with my Facebook and read it out kind of, you know, almost play acting. I am reading this out. Am I saying this right? Um, you know, it, 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 I do it as a little bit of a entertaining aspect for for them or at least yeah. I try um but yeah you're right maybe you've got to be a little bit outgoing for that you know just to just to make yourself do that of course I mean it's a it's a brilliant idea mm. so this is an interesting point isn't it uh, language learning for travel um there are there are various things that are different I think and that one of the things is definitely it's um it's important to learn whole phrases and it's important to learn on a on a need basis Number two is the fact that you have maybe for the first time in years actually got that need. You know, there's a real motivation and suddenly you're time bound as well. So that is number two. There's there's less time to work with. You, you're not learning a language for life. You're learning a language for when you're going to uh, Spain in two weeks, which is an entirely different situation. Um, and number three, it's like Lindsay was was. Um, remarking there your personality really comes into play so this is something that perhaps people can take into account when they set their goals for language learning for travel what do you think yeah definitely has to be taken into account Mm. so you kind of want to you want to think about whether you just want to pick a language up and understand things and don't get me wrong that is not inferior to speaking in any particular way and it is just as valuable as other things that you you may be doing so I just really want to mention and and highlight this if you're learning a language just so you can understand it better while you're traveling especially for a short trip why the hell not yeah can I actually like I mentioned about the videos right Mm -hmm. so so that's essentially what that is is I don't go to a place thinking okay I'm gonna talk to everyone I see and ask for directions even if I don't need it or anything like that I just feel like I just want to understand the world around me and I want, of course, I, you know, I want to be able to, like I say, order things in the language or, or, or get help if I need it in the language. But my, my, my big thing is that understanding. So, yeah, it's totally fine. Definitely. I think people put themselves under a lot of pressure if they feel like they have to go abroad and they have to produce this perfect language and then understand the replies. Yeah, so even, like... if, even if you go to the hotel and you say, oh, uh, Bonjour, je m'appelle Lindsay. Um, j'arrive aujourd'hui. Où est ma chambre? Or something like that. Um, you tell I've got a French degree, can't think of anything. But you know, even if you can have the start of that conversation, um, you might not understand the replies. So then you still have to. You'll feel like your if your expectations are too high, you'll feel like your project has failed. And then I feel that. There is another aspect to this, and this is why I really think your your YouTube series of you know learning Slovenian in Slovenia, learning Lithuanian in Lithuania, that so goes into what I think is really important when you're learning a language for a trip, which is the fact that you mustn't expect yourself to be perfect when you set off, get on the plane, and then you're done. What you're actually doing is you're learning a language on a trip. Yes. It doesn't, it doesn't end, does it, as soon as you hit the tarmac, right? That's the, that's the learning over. 
Now it's time to use. It's, it's not quite the case. In fact, you're probably going to learn a lot more when you're there, especially if you have a little foundation from beforehand. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's to me, that's so, so important. And that's really the learning doesn't start until you really know what you need in that specific moment. And that's the beauty of learning for a trip is that you can, you know, you you're you're in a situation where you're actually in all of those different moments where you might want to say something and you get the privilege for a few days, weeks, months of trying all this stuff out as you're going along and learning on the go. But also, Lindsay, what do you do when you see something in, in a foreign language? Do you get the, like, whip the dictionary out? Um, not initially. I tend to try and identify it. So if, you know, especially if, if I see something and I recognize it, I'll be like, oh, look, look at that. If, in fact, I don't know if I've told you this story of, of air Kirsten. So I, I said recently went to Slovenia, right? We're in the taxi from the airport to the city. Um, we just arrived. And I knew some basic phrases. And on the radio in Slovenian, the, the radio presenter, there was like a little clip and it went, Dobro which means good morning. And Ashley had made a video of, of the trip and he showed me this video. And we're in the taxi and that happens. And the radio goes, Dobro And two seconds later, I go, that means good morning on the video, right? In real life, when I watched this back for the first time, he showed me this, this video and it goes, Dobra Yudro. And I, I, I tap him on the shoulder. I went, that means good morning. <laughs> just as I said it on the video, I was like, oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. And that's, I, I swear, that's exactly what I'm like. That's what it's like. If you travel with me, mm. God, I don't know how people put up with me. Like, I'm just like, that means that. Oh, look, that means that. And that together, normally that must mean that. So together, it must mean this. Oh, I wonder if that's something to do with that. Honestly, I must be a nightmare. Same, same. Oh my gosh. I'm, I, Christiana stopped watching Welsh television with me because apparently I pause it too much and go, oh, look, they just said this. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> and it's, it's partly because of that. And yeah. to be in that situation where there's so much language around you, again, is something that even if you prep for travel, even if you kind of learn at home and you learn the essential phrases and you're, you know, you're you're using your time well. You still, nothing can prepare you for being there. And like Lindsay demonstrated then, nothing can prepare you for the excitement of being there. So this is not a time to despair and worry about what you don't know. This is a time to really switch up your curios curiosity, <laughs> really switch up your curiosity engine. I need you to say that again. This is a time to really switch up your curiosity engine and to look around you and take everything in and you know you get you get that really quick way of processing things where you can take something in and then build it into your next your next sentence and something like that or really start listening out for it and that's what i love about language learning for travel or especially language learning when you're on a trip you get the most important most frequent stuff thrown at you again and again and again and again so that you're learning the most important, most frequent stuff by by default. And the other beautiful thing, I feel, I think you've probably mentioned this, but just the idea that, you know, you're not learning this language forever. It is a short term thing. It really takes the pressure off and it really makes it much more enjoyable than sometimes 
especially if you're studying, you know, formally and you're in a class or you're you're kind of at university or school where it is kind of like you need to learn this. You need to pass the test. There's no test at the end of your holiday. You know, it's it's so much more fun and kind of it, it, it gives this whole new level to language learning that you don't always get. Yes, absolutely. And you you are guaranteed to come out better than you were at the start. Oh, always. Yay! And that's so, so cool. And even if you don't want to learn anything, you will learn something, right? I mean, even if that word is like sale or shop or something else that is in English or the same as your language. Pizza is a good one. Pizza. <laughs> you always see. Yeah. And I still count it as a win. I'm still like, well, I know the word for pizza. Mm. <laughs> and if you once you're working with a different script that's fantastic so i learned an awful lot of cyrillic just from you know business trips to russia where i sat in the restaurant like looking at the menu and then identifying the word for pizza and go they sell pizza yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. it's great so it's not even that bad now now i know the russian word for pizza is pizza but i still it was still a learning process identifying the words in cyrillic that kind of add up to the sounds of pizza Actually, McDonald's there. McDonald's. It's really funny. I didn't mention pizza for this, but now I've said it, it reminded me. Last summer when I went to um, um, Baltic, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia. Yeah. And there, I can't remember exactly which country. I think Lithuania. There's a restaurant called Chili Chili Picker, it looks like on the sign. Chili Picker. And you think that's a funny name for a restaurant, Chili Picker. Like he's going out there picking the chilies and it's spelled Mm P-I-C-A. But on the main signs that are like on the buildings, they don't have the accent on top of the C that makes it into a sort of sound. Uh Right. Which meant that actually what it is, is Chili Pizza, Pizza. And we're like, oh, when we realised this, we're like, wow, that makes so much sense. And I was so excited that... (laughs) You know, it hadn't twigged all this time. Oh, there's chili picker. There's another chili picker. Oh, they sell pizza. And then it wasn't until we went to chili picker that we realised. It's all pizza. It's all pizza. Chili pizza. Pizza. Mm. And is it a restaurant to be recommended? Oh, it was good fun. Oh, brilliant. So good fun. This brings me to my, really my final tip almost. I've got two more tips that I would like to share if you are learning a language for a trip or you've got a trip coming up. So we've already talked about using what's in your phrase book and really, you know, focusing on situations where you think you're going to need it. We've talked about learning on the go and that really you don't know what you need until you're there. So prepare yourself to walk around with a dictionary. If you are an extrovert, um, you know, take your phrase book with you when you go up to people and, you know, let them in on I'm learning here. That works. Um, now, two more tips, actually three. Uh, so my, my next one is, you know, in line with the chili picker, chili pizza story. Uh, I think it's extremely beneficial before you go to practice pronunciation, just pronunciation in your target language. Because not only will you feel more comfortable once you're reading out your phrases from your phrase book, that's one thing in Icelandic. It's really hard to pronounce when you, for the first time. So that was one. That was the best thing I did before I travelled to Iceland. Is I I worked a little bit on my Icelandic pronunciation, and thank God I did. And number two, it'll just make you feel that much more confident when you're there. You know, when you're reading things out, and you're going to understand people better. So I think pronunciation is an absolute winner 
and you can learn it, you know, with most languages that use the Latin alphabet, you can do this in an hour. I have a confession. Okay. I think that's a really good tip, but I never do it. Do you not? No. I I, I, I get bored learning pronunciation. When a, but, but, but I do think it's a really good tip and I should do it. I should do it next time. Mm-hmm. Well, I think once you're, when you're learning your phrases, it's just a case of checking whether you're saying your phrases right. So many people will get feedback from native speakers, which is a different way of studying pronunciation. I actually like to sit down and work out what all the rules are. Mm. Uh, one of the things I've noticed about this, and again, funny this, I am a German native speaker, which means my native language is very regular and consistent in spelling and pronunciation. And the English language, I've recently been doing a lot of study, studying up on the English language and this, the history of British spelling, English spelling. The English language is all over the place. So again, pronunciation is not something that really is, is as, it makes as much sense to learn for English. But if you are a German, you're going to actually look to pronunciation because we're coming out of a system where the world makes sense in that context. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I don't know, I, I really felt when, when I realized that, when I realized that German pronunciation has got this advantage of being so much more consistent than English pronunciation, I sort of went, okay. But do you, May- know, what, do you know what I like about um, when you learn a language to travel as well is if you have a good phrase book and they give you the kind of in brackets way to say it, do you using the letters that you know i mm-hmm. yeah i do i do quite like that especially if i'm going for a short time and i don't like i said i find pronunciation quite a boring thing to study so when yeah. i if i'm going for a short time i don't want to spend time on it so i'll just use that as a guide yeah and and kind of listen to what i hear and imitate sounds and stuff imitating sounds which to me that is part of studying pronunciation uh, that that's really the key so it's not really sit down with the IPA and make all the lip shapes and what is your alveolar fricative and stuff. That's a bit... That, that takes that a special like kind of nerd. chat up line ever. <laughs> hey, can I show you my alveolar fricative? Hey, baby. Hey, I want to see them rounded vowels. <laughs> oh. Scared. Uh, phonetic chat up line. That's just not... So, if you are not into the idea of pronunciation, I think take Lindsay's tip and follow, you know, the little guides that it gives you in your phrase book. If you happen to be into it, it's a wonderful thing to study before a trip. It doesn't take long to kind of get down at least the basic rules and it can really help you understand people. Finally, I have got one great thing about learning a language for travel, which is that you get to, in my opinion, if you're learning a language for travel, you get to legitimately overlook the hard things. Don't have to get into specific grammar, you know, aspects that are very confusing. You're never going to have to use the subjunctive if you don't want to on your different trips. You get to embrace the minimalist language learning approach, which means you don't have to do everything instantly. You just got to do the basics. So I think it's, it's language learning with the hard bits room. What do you think? That's a really good point, I think. Yeah, and it kind of fits into what I mentioned about the pressure being off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, exactly. You know, you know you're not going to do it forever. You also know you don't have to get into that depth. And if you make a mistake, it's like, well, I'm only learning this because I'm here for five days. So <laughs> I don't care if I make a mistake. It it kind of makes that easier to, to say. 
Whereas when you're learning a language in sort of with no with no end date, it is a bit like, oh man, I made a mistake. I'm never gonna progress when I keep making mistakes like that. Which of mm. course isn't true, but we do feel that way, right? Yeah. So yeah, it does. It's I would definitely agree with that. It also takes the pressure off in a slightly different way in that we don't then have to worry so much about what is the best way to learn a language because all we want is to just get the basics down and you just want to get started. So you don't have that that period of just looking for every textbook or anything like that. Just get one and go. And it's also very easy because there are generally a lot more beginner resources out there. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you if you are looking for something, you'll find it easier than if you're at an advanced level in your, I don't know, Korean. That's most definitely true. Most definitely. Okay, so if you were to go abroad and say, so I've recently been to Sweden and Iceland, and both my Swedish and Iceland have been put on on ice, if I may make that horrendous pun. And Lindsay, you've recently been to Slovenia and you've been to various Baltic states. So if somebody were to feel the fire of falling in love with a language as they are there and i've had i've got some wonderful students who that has happened to what do you think what would be the best tip to help people continue with their travel language and make it into a part of their life continue with language learning that's a good question the first thing that instantly comes to mind is i think if you fall in love with a language when you're in a place then you probably also love that place so i would say if it's possible the best thing you could do is to book a trip there as soon as you get home. Book another trip, you know, even if it's for a year down the line or even two years down the line, however possible it is to book trips. I don't know, however far forward you can do it, you know, because then you do have another purpose, which is the reason that you possibly liked it in the first place, which will motivate you to do more. Maybe that's really bad advice. Maybe like <laughs> if you've been to a place. No, I think it's excellent. Then, you know, but I do think that's, I do like that advice. I think it's good because there's a reason you fell in love with it. And it's not because of books and Skype lessons. It's because of the place and the people and the food and the culture and the, the sights and sounds and smells of the place. So book another trip to that place as soon as possible. And then you've got your motivation to keep going. That's huge. I love that. I think that's excellent advice. And if you, and I think trips can usually be booked up to 12 months out. That's what I was thinking. So you've got between nine and 12, depending on how you're traveling. If you're on the train, you can't really go a year ahead. So no matter where you're going, this is an excellent piece of advice though, because it does give you, it does give you that opportunity to really, you know, book yourself in or to, you know, to, to keep, kind of keep the dream alive because Lindsay is right if you loved it and fell in love with it while you were traveling it's because you loved that place so tip number two is bring that place into your home there is so many ways of doing this from you know Lindsay you just mentioned cookery I think that is incredibly important you know the food of a place it's it's sensual in so many ways you know it fills you up so you can feel it it tastes nice. It smells a specific way. You know, it has different names so that you can actually hear, you know, you can hear the language as you were saying the name of food. And you can either, you know, for some um, areas of the world, we are just blessed to have many, you know, many ways of accessing that cuisine through restaurants. So here in the UK, if you fall in love with India, 
it's very very easy and if you fall in love with you know china and chinese languages that's quite easy to access if you live in a big metropolis like london you can pretty much find anything um but there will be some aspect of that culture albeit somewhat um if i'm thinking about german and what the german culture aspects are like in the uk it's all beer kellers so albeit touristified but it still maintains the essence so you can kind of seek that out and even if you're not speaking your language while you're there for the first time you still bring it back to you and you can kind of combine it and really make that connection between that and studying your target language i absolutely love that idea um and what do you what do you make of the idea of building a a mood board or a corner of your house that is specific to a place. Okay, that's interesting. Tell me more. So, for example, when I used to be, when I was a teenager, and I, the two places that I really uh, dreamed of kind of traveling to were the UK, that worked out well, um, and Iceland. I always wanted to travel to Iceland. And what I used to have was on my desk, I had these calendars and they're called Sehnsuchtskalender, calendar of longing almost. And they're sadly not available in English, but I'll put them in the show notes for the German version because they're a calendar, so you could still use it. And you can buy these for almost every country in the world. And every week you get a new postcard, beautiful photography postcard from that specific country where you are going. And every week, so you get to look at a new picture of that specific place on your desk, like right in front of you. You sat there, you know, when you, your mind is drifting off while you're doing your studies, your mind is drifting off at work. You can kind of look at this and think, oh, this is the geezer in Iceland that I went to visit. And it just keeps it fresh in your mind. So I think something like an image calendar or even, you know, these days perhaps a desktop background on your computer is is hugely important you know and and kind of keeps that feeling alive that feeling of wonder okay that makes sense i understand i was imagining have you ever seen hey arnold i was imagining like helga's shrine to arnold <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking uh okay but no that makes a lot more sense i like that idea mm. and that's i mean i know you did it your house is quite full of travel pictures as well isn't it i suppose i didn't even think about it but yeah like I'm looking sat here at my desk. I've got a, a picture behind me. If you've ever been to um, like a webinar with me or if you have lessons with me, you'll know there's a, a batik picture of a, a tortoise that I made in Indonesia. There's some pictures in front of me of, of um, Burma. I've got some flags that my mum has sent me from Nepal. All of this stuff, it, it kind of inspires me. It inspires me to work. If I work, I get to go to these places again, right? <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. very true. And equally, if you're learning languages, it's it's hugely important. So, you know, you've got those places in front of you. So I think that's that's really what I've got in mind. Keep it in your, keep it front, light and center in your life and surround yourself with that sense of, you know, what it was like when you were actually there. I think that's really, really wonderful. And certainly that is also a great excuse to raid the tourist shop, you know, in the airport on the way home. Mm-hmm. Which in Iceland means you're going to buy a lot of puffins, a lot of cute little puffins. I like puffins. Yeah. 
puffins are adorable. I love them. Yeah. And in Iceland, they're very common. So it also gives me a reason to go back at some point um, with the puffins. Now, one, one important kind of point that, that I wanted to ask you about is, um, do you think if someone's traveling with a group, do you think there is a benefit to, as a language learning motivation, taking a sort of leadership role and almost appointing yourself like language officer for the group? That's very interesting. Um, I find that if people know you're learning a language or you've been learning some other language of the place you're going, they kind of do that for you. Because they think, oh, you can speak. Here you go. This is your, this is your time to shine. Mm-hmm. So it kind of happens naturally. I don't know if it needs to be sort of announced in a more formal way or, or dressed in any other way. But I feel like, it, at least in my experience, it's something that has just happened. That's interesting. Yes, definitely. If, if Especially when you're like like you or like me, kind of de- self-appointed, designated language girl. There's, there's no way around it, right? If people don't want to speak foreign, they kind of go, you're the person who knows the foreign. Do the foreign thing. But um, actually, that's happened to me. <laughs> when I went on holiday a few years ago with my best friend who speaks, speaks like she speaks Spanish, Polish, some French. Um, and so we kind of, we kind of, you know, balance things out. Like we were actually in Spain for a lot of the time and we both spoke Spanish as well as each other. So mm-hmm. it kind of worked out really well because we knew each other. So we kind of just let each other take the lead when we needed to. So in that case, if you're going on holiday with friends who are just as obsessed as you are, <laughs> then I think it, again, also, it just, it just happens however it's supposed to happen. But again, just my experience. It would be yeah. different with different people. I love this. I think this is a, a really relevant story. And you've actually, you've actually made a really important point that I didn't consider before, which is that rather than thinking I'm going to take the leader role or I'm going to take the follower role, kind of look at your group and look at the, the, the bunch of personalities that you have in there. See if, you know, maybe you can buddy up with somebody and really think about what it's going to be like when you're there. But, you know, whatever happens, even if you're traveling with a group and nobody else is interested in learning any of the local language, you can still do this. You can still learn the language. But if they just haven't expressed an interest, why not enlist them and get yourself a buddy? Maybe, you know, I'm crazy extroverted to me. This this is always fantastic, you know, when I have company doing something. Yeah, definitely. So that's kind of probably the last um, aspect. So just to recap. a few tips or a few aspects of what is different when you're learning a language for travel is you do have less time to prepare. You've got an entirely different motivation and need if you're learning and you're getting ready for your trip. However, this is also great because you get to overlook the hard bits a little bit and just really work with the essentials. So it's really helpful to learn whole phrases whole phrases, things that you will see in your travel phrase book because those phrase books are created with real situations in mind they're created by travelers they will help you all along your way learn the replies as well so that you can understand people practice pronunciation if you are so inclined but be aware that it may be boring i think we've concluded (laughs) Uh, learn on the go i think this is huge you know like Lindsay said earlier, your language learning isn't finished when you hit the tarmac. Really, that's where the adventure starts. That's where the party starts. And finally, you know, see what kind of role you can take if you're traveling in a group. 
So that's it for episode 41 of Creative Language Learning Podcast, where we talked about learning a language for travel and for holidays. I don't know about you, Lindsay, but for me, it's giving me a lot of the desire to just go everywhere and travel everywhere. What do you think? Definitely strengthened it. I think it was already there for me. <laughs> it was already. Well, you're, tra- you're traveling the world next year, aren't you? Yes. I'm oh excited. My God. Yeah. And I, I'm excited to, you know, see your adventures. And I am, well, I'm traveling to Germany next month. So I guess on the way, we're going on the train. So I'm going to, you know, practice my French when I'm in Belgium. And maybe we'll take a few days in Belgium so I can just speak Flemish or Luxembourgish in Luxembourg. So whatever, wherever you're going and whatever you have planned, dear listeners, we would love to hear from you. I really want to hear where are you planning to go? Which languages are you learning for travel in 2016 or 2017? And what you can do to reply to us easily is send feedback, of course, through the website. But also you can go and meet us on Twitter where we hang out all the time. The hashtag for our specific show is CLLP. That's Creative Language Learning Podcast. And Lindsay on Twitter is LD Languages. And me, I am Kirsten Hammers. And really just looking forward to hearing where you guys have planned to go. And why not tell us in an iTunes review? Definitely tell us in an iTunes review. Yeah, because we love getting those iTunes reviews. Nice. And they really help the show as well. They're very important for us. Sadly, we didn't, well, we didn't make the iTunes rules, but iTunes algorithms and technology love reviews <laughs> so help us feed the itunes robots with your reviews and just re- give us a review give us five stars on itunes four stars on itunes doesn't matter just give us an honest review we love reading your feedback so twitter hashtag clp or itunes just subscribe and review us and that is it that's goodbye from me goodbye and it's goodbye from Lindsay. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and to rate the podcast in iTunes or on Stitcher. That's always very much appreciated. If you have any feedback or you've got any questions, you can email me, Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can find me on Facebook, Fluent Language Tuition, or on Twitter, at Kirsten Hammers, that is K-E-R-S-T-I-N-H-A-M-M-E-S. 